Welcome to this new Triple V podcast episode, covering the most recent town hall. All right, hello guys. Today you're going to hear very good news from two of the other team members. The first one to speak is going to be Chen slash Crypto Girl. And um, yeah, I think everyone's going to be super, super excited about what she has to share. Uh, I will suppose we wait a few more minutes until everyone has found their way into the live event. And then we will start with the first piece of really, really good news. Um, it's about the next deal, which Jen has the privilege to announce today because, you know, it's pretty much all of her achievement. Uh, this uh, has nothing to do with the work I did or any of the other team members did. This was really all her work and she's probably going to um, try to uh, dilute the achievement and give us some credit, but no matter what she says, uh, that, that's really all down to her and to her personal relationships and to her ability to, to work relentlessly for VVV and for other super important people. And that's really all to her credit. And then afterwards, we're going to hear from Andy, who has also spent countless hours to prepare something for you guys. And this is something which I've just seen coincidentally today on, on Twitter and for the... I can't find the tweet again. I would love to find the tweet again. Um, but someone wrote today on Twitter that VCs should turn into academies. And that's pretty much what we'll announce today and what you guys will get access to in 48 or 24 hours, depending on how long it's uh, going to take for us to work through some of the techni technicalities on the back end. But it's really one of the most important tools for you guys to be sure that you make the right investment decisions for yourself and as a community as a whole. Um, you know, we've, we went through this topic a variety of different times, but it, it's really super important that the community stays diligent all of the time, no matter what we present you in terms of deals, no matter how good something sounds, no matter how exciting an AMA with a guest might be, it, it always still comes down to you. And I mean, you as a collective to do your own due diligence and to try to find something that's wrong with either the project itself, with our investment thesis, or with the way we look at things. And so far, you know, coming back to the investment in Obscura, for example, we we looked at this from all different angles. We had the channel up in our community and everyone was invited to be as critical as humanly possible and to find any potential red flags within the team members, within the project itself, within the thesis that it is based on for its success. And you know, after our due diligence, after the community's due diligence, after the AMA with the entire team themselves, everyone still remains bullish. And as you might have noticed, we, we didn't do any form of advertising for the investment as a whole. 
everything was announced in a rather conservative manner. Um, and still we raised uh, 125k for Obscuro. Um, let me briefly double check how many people um, participated as a whole. So we had 160 individual investors. And that really says a lot. Um, I think it's a testament to the engagement of the community as a whole, but also the relentlessness of our members in the bear market. Once a good community, once a good opportunity comes around, everyone still is capable to see the opportunity for what it is and not be scared of the bear market or the length of time it might need for the investment to yield a return to have the TGE and so on. Um, you know, like I like we discussed many times before, it's really about getting the best portfolio together in the bear market so that we are going to be set for the next two or three years of blockchain evolvement and blockchain development where the infrastructure eventually is going to become the most important aspect of everything that's being built and privacy is going to be, be playing a crucial role in the way in which Obscure takes on the privacy aspect in a way which can easily be used to cater towards governments. I think that makes it very likely that this is something where it doesn't get shut down like something like Monero, but something that actually becomes appreciated by institutions and by governments and actually allows them to use it without the fear of any regulatories um, having any form of an ill will. And this is super important. You, you cannot just rely on things being decentralized and things being completely out of reach of the government. First of all, that's, that's rarely going to happen ever. And if it ever happens, then the mass adoption is likely never going to be happening. So staying close to the regulators and being involved in a project that has, that has a docs team that has the right mentality to approach it in a government and regulatory frame, uh, regulatory friendly way. That's the way to go, in my opinion. And that's the reason why we ended up investing into Obscuro. So now that we have enough listeners in, guys, do me a quick favor before we drop the good news. Leave a retweet, leave a like. We literally spent weeks and probably months uh, to finally be able to arrange this. So show some love and then I will hand it over to Jen and leave the rest of the talking to her. Thank you. Hi, Sean. Okay. Um, so... Um, other than BBV, I spend most of my time in one other project, um, and that also happens to be our next deal, and that's Heroes of Mavia. A lot of people in the audience probably already know Mavia. Um, they might be landowners. Um, I see I see a number of people in the audience that I recognize. Um, so some of you might be unaware, um, but I'm also a moderator and one of the original OGs in Mavia. Uh, Mavia was the first server. I ever joined, and I was one of the earliest supporters, biggest proponents, and it is through my rapport with Tristan 
that I was able to secure a small allocation for VVV of tokens in the closed private round. The valuation for this is 100 million FDV. I did see um, with recent emails that there are people inquiring about, um, <laughs> you know, our deal flow, when is the next deal? And just to give you guys a perspective, um, to, for us to secure this deal has been over two months. Not every deal that we close is fast like Obscuro. Sometimes we do actually have to work at it. Um, and I know that we've been doing a lot of infrastructure plays. So for those who are interested in crypto gaming, this is a nice change up. So in terms of timeline, so this is the first announcement in the alpha hour. Sean will make a Mavia investment channel. And I know that people might have concerns if you're not already um, intimate with this project. Uh, the analyst boys do not have to answer questions. Um, I have, from Mavia, brought over people that are actually already dolphins. So we have uh, myself, who's a moderator, also Vasco, who's a moderator, Vorkaholic, who's the admin, and um, a slew of other Mavia OGs. So if there's any questions that the team can't answer, um, certainly there's no shortage of people that can allay concerns. On Monday, we're going to publicly announce this deal on Twitter, and the claim for this will be on Thursday. Um, we will have an AMA with Tristan. The Mavia team is extremely busy at the moment, and that was one of the reasons why it took kind of so long for this um, deal to go through. But Tristan and perhaps Avon will join us for an AMA next month. Um, before that, we basically have me. So um, we'll just go over a little bit of spiel on what is uh, Heroes of Mavia. It's a AAA mobile-focused MMO blockchain-based strategy game that is inspired not only by Clash of Clans, but also Axie Infinity. It's a game that's created by Strice Studios. And if people aren't familiar with Clash of Clans, basically you have a base, you build, and you defend it, and then you will attack and try to loot other opponent bases for resources and also in-game rewards. So just to go over a bit about Strike Studios' team, I know everybody here is going to do their DD. If you visit their LinkedIn, you'll see that there's just a few dozen team members listed. And the reason for this, um, Tristan mentioned this in one of his Medium articles, um, especially in regards to the devs. Because there are so few devs in the blockchain and every project wants them, they have decided to not mention them publicly. Um, a lot of their devs get poached or they get offers, which is a big distraction since there is a big push right now for the beta. Um, they did onboard recently um, execs from Clash of Clans Supercell, and I'll go over that in a little bit. Um, the team is extremely large. They have 98 people, a lot of which are doxxed, and there are six gaming devs five blockchain front-end devs. So just to give you a comparison, if you think that maybe perhaps we need a lot of devs, Supercell itself, who is the creator of Clash of Clans, they only have 10 devs on their team. More devs is not better necessarily. You want it to be streamlined, a very small, cohesive group. Of these 98 team members, two-thirds are completely in the art design and development department. 
if you visit either the Discord or you go on to mavia.com, you'll see that there is a major focus on art. And that is largely in part due to Avon. Avon was brought onto the team a little later into the inception. And when he came on board, he completely changed the focus. So one of the uh, um, topics that was addressed in the server early on when someone had brought up Mavia, I didn't say anything um, just because I didn't know if we'd get the deal and, um, you know, everybody can do their own DD, um, was that there was no gameplay footage. Um, and that was purposeful. There was an early gameplay internal release to the team, um, but that was not indicative of what the gameplay would eventually become because when Avon was onboarded, it completely changed. The team had taken a bet on making everything 3D. So when I hear Tristan talk and the team, one of the things that is their main goals is to make Heroes of Mavia the benchmark for all mobile games. And they are pushing the limits in all respects. So the game is fully 3D. They've spent months and months making every piece 3D, which then allows certain features to be implemented that you do not find in any game currently. Um, One of the reasons that they chose this is that you can basically make it more interactive. Um, Also, um, it is a little, it's easier to achieve their goal. So Avon has a really strong gaming background and the entire art flow is based on the same art flow that's used in all the biggest animation studios on the planet. So they use the same workflow as Pixar. When we talk about VVV, we always talk about the deal flow and how we have L1, the L2, how it's streamlined. And, you know, we filter thousands of projects to bring you guys the best ones. Well, similarly, um, Heroes of Mavia has the same thing. All of the leads, which they don't mention on LinkedIn, they're all senior leads. And that means that we don't have any junior art development partners. And that allows basically massively parallel art design. There would be no way that you would be able to make the amount of art um, procedurally made um, with junior leads or with a lower team. Um, Previously, Avon used to sit in our server and you could watch him design for 18 hours. Um, The comments are usually that he's a beast because he worked 16 to 18 hours just designing every day. Um, Now he's extremely busy, but for months on end, basically the community rallied against the team because you could see the kind of dedication that he would put into the artwork. Okay, so why do we even care about um, Heroes of Mavia? Um, well, Clash, Clash of Clans, the game which it is um, kind of inspired by, we used people on the server say that it's a copycat, but in essence, in the timeline that we currently at, COC is just a inspiration since Mavia will move away from a lot of the similarities and implement a lot of its own unique features. So Clash of Clans has been um, going for 12 years. They have 76 million monthly players. Um, And in that respect, it is an exception to the rule because it has lasted greater than the one or two years life expectancy longevity of most games. They have a proven addictive game loop. 
um, there is a very large esports community. So unbeknownst to maybe some of you, but in the Mavia Discord server, there are a ton of professional players. Um, they are salivating over trying to compete in this new COC because there's a lot of new features that um, Harris Mavia has that they do not currently have in COC. Um, they are a basically a web 3.0 decentralized version. Um, if you look at a lot of these games, like Clash of Clans, they're based on a freemium model and their sole revenue is in-game microtransactions. And just with those microtransactions, Clash of Clans has grossed over 6.4 billion in revenue since 2012. And all these revenues have really only benefited the gaming development company, Supercell, and its shareholders. And if you look at who's actually a shareholder of Supercell, you'll see names that you often associate with really large Web2 um, companies, such as Tencent and SoftBank. And the difference in Harris is that all the revenue is redirected to the ecosystem, primarily the landowners and token holders. Um, so one of the things that people don't know, I'm just going to go over for mass adoption, is that um, early on, the revenue stream for Heroes of Mavia was really different. And it was all dependent on the NFT land sales. They had originally talked about a 100,000 soft cap of NFT land distribution. And that is not really feasible. I can't really imagine um, you know, how many of us would actually keep buying these lands when they're quarterly released and there is such a high barrier of entry. So the team had recognized that this was a large impediment to mass adoption um, and that was basically interfering with their ultimate vision um, and also to maintain a sustainable gaming economy. So a few months ago, they had announced that they would change to a free-to-play model um, with microtransactions and that they would capitalize on the free to play players rather than the play to earn players. Um, this was largely in part due to the onboarding of a Supercell exec. He's the exec team on Supercell is extremely small. Um, so one of them joined the Scry Studios team um, and he has brought over a lot of things that they did not fix in Clash of Clans, um, and he's bringing that to Heroes of Mavia. Um, one of the one of the um, most anticipated um, changes is anti-cheating. Which, so just to preface this, I'm not a gamer. I don't really play games, um, but everybody was extremely um, happy when they were talking about this uh, synchronous server simulation, which is where the exact same game is replicated on the back end. So that when we do have million dollar matches, um, which we will, that there's no cheating because there's a lot of that in COC and a lot of players had left and went to other games because the cheating was so prevalent. So a lot of their taking, the team is taking notice of a lot of issues that they have in other games and trying to um, address those in Mavia. They are also um, just when the community, there's a very large emphasis on listening to the community in the server. I have personally, um, before I was a mod, 
um, been disgruntled with uh, how things were handled previously. And I did lead a little um, rebellion once and the team did listen and they made changes accordingly. Um, similarly happened recently with land staking. If they are extremely transparent and any issues that are brought up um, are always addressed and the team will work with the community to reach a amenable um, result, especially with like token staking, rewards, anything where landholders, um, where it really affects landholders. Um, so why do I think, um, you know, Harizomagia um, in comparison to perhaps some of the other crypto gaming um, launches basically uh, are prime for mass adoption. So um, here's why is uniquely positioned. Um, one of the things that they're addressing is how to onboard um, web 2.0 gamers. I know that in a lot of other games um, and with this negative perception for especially NFT crypto gaming, and we talked about Godzilla, where the NFT aspect is hidden on the back end. It is, they are making the onboarding of Web 2.0 gamers as friendly as possible in terms of the UI, UX. Uh, you only really need a wallet. Unfortunately, you do need a wallet, but that's because you are going to have to purchase um, certain aspects. They will basically also implement a feature on Apple Pay, Google Pay, where you can just do microtransactions and bypass this. But in terms of the UI on the website, um, the wallet is the only thing you're going to need in order to play. Um, they have the balanced gaming tokenomics, uh, which we'll go into a little later. Um, and they are really focused on mobile. Um, although they do have a desktop version, um, they did change their focus recently to be mobile because the there's a larger mobile gaming audience. Um, and there's a lot of other things um, in terms of mass adoption that they recently announced, but it's all under NDA, so I can't share that with you. <laughs> um, but hopefully they will mention that um, when we get closer to game launch. So in terms of how Heroes of Mavia is setting industry first, so we have, again, the All3D uh, mobile gaming, which uh, they're based on actual... 3D models and they're not sprites. And so if you visit um, the Twitter, you can watch the gameplay footage and you'll watch when some of the troops are killed that they kind of fall in different fashions. There's kind of a more real feel to it. Um, there's the synchronous server simulation to combat cheating and exploits. Also um, coming out soon, um, there is a game wiki. So very much like um, any of these games that have game wikis where you can go and look at characters, look at gameplay techniques. Similarly, Mavia will have its own, and the models will be in AR, and you can basically project them in real life, and you'll be able to see these models next to you, whatnot, interact with them. When I had heard about this in the server, I was thinking, wow, this is great. I should really marry them to Aki, and so um, I did pitch that to them. Um, they haven't taken us up on that yet. Um, and also, because of the 3D aspect, of the game, they are going to implement a lot of new strategy and special effects, especially ones that are inspired by Overwatch and Call of Duty, all these large, um, very popular games. They will take a lot of the best aspects and they will implement them in Mavia. There is also this uh, permanent battle replay for all posterity. So every gameplay 
between players. You can replay at your leisure. Um, there will also be Mavia TV. They are going to be doing a bi-weekly channel um, on YouTube and other aspects just to go over everything Mavia related. Um, so in terms of gameplay, um, I already addressed that earlier. Um, you can watch that if you want. Uh, it just came out two weeks ago. Currently, there were an internal beta, so there was that was the other issue. Somebody said that there's no gameplay, then there's no beta. Well, there's an internal beta, and the public beta is slated for Q4. And the public beta is only for landowners. So the free-to-play players will not be allowed to um, participate. Um, one of the things that I think people don't know about um, and you'd have to be early in the in the server to actually remember this. Um, and this was probably the most exciting feature for early investors, if you looked at their pitch deck, was the Ruby Mavia token ecosystem. And there is one page, um, not in their updated pitch deck, but in the old one, that went over um, how they would... Uh, basically control the inflationary pressure on the in-game token Ruby. So people don't really know, and I had explained this to Jess, but one of the first partnerships that was mentioned in the Mavia server was with Machinations. Um, if you go to their site, machinations.io, they are a game design tool and software, and they are used currently by a lot of the largest gaming studios like Gameloft, Hasbro, Supercell, Ubisoft. And when they released this model, I had gone and um, played around, learned how to use, just so I could interpret the, the tokenomics modeling that they were showing in the Mavia server. Um, I'll drop a link in our Twitter tomorrow. Um, but what, what you can do with this, this tool is very powerful if you are a game dev and you want to balance tokenomics. So this allows you to model token economies, um, and it does so with nodes. Um, you can, one of the best features is that you can do iterative Monte Carlo simulations. So the one in particular that was um, unveiled in the Mavia server months ago. Actually, they had run it for 300 days. Um, and of course, you'll say, well, it's just a model. In every scenario, when you do a model, people aren't, um, people don't know um, the implications, is that um, the model is only good as your assumptions. And so you can watch um, the machinations. Uh, they have a they have one episode with Avon where he actually goes and explains the modeling and kind of some of the underlying layers of how you make a sustainable gaming economy. Um, there are different levers in order to ensure that people do not exit the ecosystem with the in-game token. So when you look at the pitch deck on one of the pages, there'll be a little arrow that says there is a 15% withdrawal tax. And I guess that when um, other groups had seen this pitch deck, they had thought, well, this is ingenious. Um, there are actually a lot of different levers that can be implemented to disincentivize people from basically just extracting value versus Ruby. Why is this important? 
So if people are probably familiar with Axie Infinity um, and many of the other iconic predecessors in this field, they basically, their token economy crashed, and that was because there was such an increase of uh, inflationary pressure, not only on their NFTs that would just propagate, but also on their in-game token. And they have, Mavia has learned lessons from this, and they obviously are not apt to make the same mistake. So you have to not exit with Ruby, and they are pushing all players to exit by reinvesting Ruby and exiting the ecosystem with NFTs. If you look at the model, you can see this um, in real time. Um, the movie that he shows, it's, it's not final, it's just the model, and it was one of the early drafts. Um, this is all dependent, obviously, on the the demographics that are in the player base. Are they whales? Are they casual players? All these other assumptions that go in will change how Ruby is utilized. Um, so if anybody's interested in that, you can check out Machinations. Um, and um, let's see. So that is the end for Mavia. I do want to just chime in with the community PSA. Um, neither myself or any team member will ever DM or friend request you. Okay, two weeks ago, there was um, an imposter of myself masquerading and friend requesting not only team members, but also sharks and some whales. Um, if we're not friends already, we're probably not gonna be friends. <laughs> um, and unless I actually um, call out and DM you in gen chat, it's probably not me. The scammers are becoming um, a lot more um, inventive in how they are reaching out to server members. And with our marketing ramping up soon for the phase three mint, there's going to be a large influx of people, which inevitably means there's going to be more scammers frequenting the server, trying to exploit our members. So just as a uh, reminder that we will not reach out to you. Okay, Sean, back to you. Thank you, Chen. And we have a speaking request by Missy. So I'm just going to grant the permissions to speak in case she has any input or questions for the Mavia topic. Okay, so uh, Chen, so we have a question by Hima, one of our sharks. And um, I remember there was a, once there was a topic that they wouldn't want to disclose their devs names or something like that, which I didn't like because they wanted to protect them from poaching. But then I believe you gave me some additional context there where that's actually common practice in that space where you have to fear for your developers to get hired by other companies where, you know, it's not like you can count on, like super loyal devs because a lot of this is just purely based on salaries and you know other circumstances where it makes you makes it very difficult for you to retain the employees but maybe you can also elaborate on that concern so this was in terms of um having the devs being poached is that correct yeah so i think i don't remember it exactly but i think um they don't display the devs uh, publicly, they don't disclose no, their names. They and... don't, um, and that I mean that is an issue that we have. Um, I brought up in private with Tristan, and um, they also mentioned that 
in the Medium article, their most recent one, which was the Q3 update. Um, no matter what I say or, um, you know, your your inquisitions, that basically they, they're not going to release them just because they have been extremely busy. Um, I... After having VVV town halls and having um, such great turnout, I had asked uh, Sunny P, one of the admins, if we could do something similar in the Mavia server just to engage the community, which um, we now have weekly town halls. And we always ask if, uh, you know, either Tristan, who's the managing director, or Avon, who is um, the executive director and art lead, um, and perhaps, you know, maybe invite some of the game devs just to come and talk. Um, they are so busy that I think in the three or four months since we have town hall, they've only come to speak twice. Um, before they, you know, they would have um, spontaneous, um, you know, AMAs at all odd hours. But since the everybody is just working for the last few months and just trying to get the beta launch. Um, they, they do not want any distractions. And that includes, um, you know, coming to give talks in the server, um, being approached by other games to work. Um, they, he does, he does not want any distractions in that regard. And so they will not release it. And a lot of the team is not on LinkedIn. There's like 30, all right, and the team has 90. I do know that the devs, there, there is a portion of the team that's in Ukraine um, because we had to um, delay one of the, uh, was it, the, it was the original NFT Mint because of the Ukraine thing, um, and that was that was early on. So I, and the game dev that joined us for the town hall did look like he was Eastern European last week. Um, but yes, they, they are not going to release it. Um, and uh, when Tristan comes for an AMA next month, you are more than free to ask him. Yeah, and Hima, to give you a, you know, a clear answer from my end here, it's never one reason why we reject the project. And the same goes for why we um, approve something to come to an AMA or to be considered as, a, as an investment. It's never just one thing. And even if I, you know, now obviously this has been explained to me, right? But even if I personally wouldn't like one specific thing about a project, just based on that one thing and just based on my opinion, we are not going to reject something. So there has always been a plethora of reasons why we rejected something and it has never been up to just me or me disliking like one specific angle or you know one <clears throat> one specific reason the the project gave me for for one of some of the actions and in this case uh you know it, in the best case and if this wouldn't have been explained you know in the best case this would have been maybe a yellow flag so not something which would be worth of actually rejecting something just something to keep in mind if there's other things or other um, things coming up which we might want to look into in more detail or which we might want to, um, you know, uh, mark as amber or red flags, then that could have accumulated to something which eventually led to a rejection of, rejection of the project. But in this case, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, I was wary of it at the time. It has been explained to me. And 
I'm more than happy to uh, invest into Mavia as well. The the thing which you guys have to keep in mind for this one is that it's it's indeed a small ticket, so there's going to be a lot of competition in the first come first serve round, which also means that the whales and the sharks are going to be benefiting greatly because again they can invest at their own leisure; they don't have to be rushing like the dolphins. And um, to comment on the, the statement by Hiroshima Sunset, so we do have a hundred million valuation, and it's tokens only. There's no equity involved. The vesting is going to be over four years, and tokens released quarterly. And yeah, I mean we have been quite lucky to get into this round that late. And again, all the credit to Chen, who was relentless in following up with Tristan. And of course, whenever you do this with your personal connections, you also have to do it in a very, um, you know, in a, in a persistent, but still in a polite and very diplomatic way, because you cannot push too hard. You're not entitled to an allocation. So um, with, she, she has done this uh, in a, yeah, superb way, which eventually ended in us becoming the allocation. Any other questions, guys, feel free to drop them in the comments. Make sure to use the hashtag VVVFund, and then we're going to get them. Let me just see what we have so far. So we have a question regarding the tokenomics. Um, we can only disclose the vesting schedule for our round, um, unless I'm mistaken. But uh, the, you know, a lot of the remaining information, I think, at this point in time, has to be held confidential. Yeah, and Joseph has asked the same thing. So again, there's no equity involved in the deal; it's only tokens. And I suppose, Jen, the tokens are used for that specific game. It's not a token which is bound to the Scry's studio. Yes, this is for um, Mavia token, which is the governance token. And that is the one that is used in the game. Um, I'm... <laughs> Scry Studios is a gaming studio, so you should keep in mind that... Um, their intention is to make other games as well. I'm not entirely sure, um, but I do know Mavia will be at the center of all their games. And that's probably all I can disclose. <laughs> okay, thank you, Chen. And again, guys, you know, you have to keep in mind this is not a, a sales pitch for Mavia. It's really, it really makes a difference to us whether or not you invest, right? It's Of course, it's exciting to see such an engagement as with Obscura, for example. It's cool to see everyone being excited about something. But in this case, you, of course, you will get the objective research report by our team. But it's always objective, right? So, you know, we're not trying to sell you on the deal. It's a small allocation to begin with. So the guys and girls who know about the project already, they would probably prefer... You know, us not, you know, going in, in too much depth uh, about the, the upside which we see here. Um, but 
you know, feel free to do your own due diligence. Uh, Tristan has given countless AMAs in other communities. There's plenty which you can find on YouTube, on Twitter, and uh, on other platforms. You can do a, a deep dive. If you don't like gaming investments in general, if you don't like the game, you know, just, just skip the investment. There's no pressure on anyone to get in, and everyone can always feel free to pick and choose to participate in whichever deal they like. The thing to keep in mind is that we are the only ones who have arranged an investment in Mavia without any fees. So by by default, um, you're going to get the best terms with us because the fee is not going to blow up the FDV. So that's one thing to keep in mind. The other aspect is that you will end, that you will actually end up receiving the tokens into your own wallet so you will decide for yourself when to sell and when to hold and everything is going to be in your hands you're going to be fully accountable and responsible for the investment that you will make um if i could add just um two things um so in terms of the dev um <laughs> Mavia did hire one of the lead devs from Supercell, and Supercell is the company that made Clash of Clans, but um, the name cannot be disclosed because obviously they do not want that person to be poached. In terms of the executive, um, they also hired one of the execs from Supercell to work on their game. That person also can't be disclosed. Um, this is not public knowledge. I'm just telling you this right now. <laughs> I hope Tristan's not listening. Um, and the second note is that when you're talking about everybody here wants to know about the tokens. Um, so people are going to be locked up. Um, let me just put it this way. Um, Tristan is actually very good at making sure that there will not be, in essence, a big pump and dump. Not only is the team held to six-year vesting schedule and basically us as investors, four years, but he has made it such that at the beginning there the tokens will be locked up because he has implemented a mavia match for all landowners so just as a disclaimer i do hold lots of land lots of other people that you know a lot of big influencers also hold lots of land and are also very big bag holders of this so what i can tell you is that upon tge um we all need to buy lots of the mavia token which are then going to be locked up for six or 12 months. So everybody talks about, um, you know, an exit strategy. I can just tell you that the price will be very stable. Um, and after when they have the release for six or 12 months, I am sure that Tristan will come up with another idea um, and another use case for people to have their tokens locked up. Um, this is purposeful. And the amount on TGE is 15%. That is also purposeful. So that no matter if all the investors dump on their quarterly release, that the price will be buoyed if you do the math. Um, obviously, you guys don't have access to that. But um, they have thought about this carefully. Um, and with the Mavia match for landowners, we have a two-week um, period to basically buy and stake in order to get the match. Um, the token price is going to be stable. There's not a lot released. Um, and uh, so 
if you have concerns or there's questions, um, when the channel's open, you can ask in either myself, Workaholic, Vasco, you know, Cedrid, Versatile, somebody will answer you. Yeah, and, and it's not just the tokenomics themselves. You also have to look at the narrative and the other stakeholders. And there's a lot of influential people of the space involved which of course are going to want to see the token fly on the open market. And these are people who have the ability to move the market to a very large degree. And if those guys are big bag holders, then it's probably beneficial to be one of the holders as well. Where, you know, of course you don't want to just play on that and invest into something like uh, monkey ball for example which only got a value increase from being shilled by a couple of influencers but if you can combine a game of substance with the right bag holders then you're probably going to be in a good position to um, see potentially a good return on that investment and again not financial advice um, the there's always a, a risk that thing, things can go wrong. There's always a risk of things dropping after TGE, no matter how smart talk, the tokenomics are structured. Uh, you know, even in the case of projects like Phantom Galaxies, uh, you know, when the project goes out of their way to obfuscate the actual sales numbers and prices, and then the the token eventually just gets locked in and there's no liquidity on the market for the price to even move and then the tokens are, are locked and, and the, the value which is projected is pretty much just made up because no one can actually sell the token then whatever you have at the moment still has no value because it's 100% illiquid and once the unlock comes and once everyone has the token and the sell pressure is high then it's when you will see the actual value of what you're holding so you always have to be aware of the, the different factors which play into this and also always be aware of the narrative in combination of the tokenomics and then always keep in mind that things can always go south no matter how clever everything is set up there's always external factors there's um, you know potential market makers with different agendas there's influencers who can pump or dump the token itself or can hurt the reputation of a game and so on. Um, yes, that's the intro to our next year. Thank you once again, Jen. It, it has been an absolute pleasure to work with you um, on the deal itself and obviously on, on the variety of other angles of BBB. And you have been a, a tremendous value add. And the the you know you have been invaluable already. And the the deal with Mavia is really just the, the cherry on top part where we can actually distribute the value which we actively provide to BVB in a very open and obvious way where you know now people have something tangible with the name Chen <laughs> branded on it, uh, which they can then be hopefully benefiting from in the next couple of months. And with that being said, Andy... If you wouldn't mind, okay, I found you. I'm going to invite you to speak. 
And before Andy talks um, about some of the things which I've planned for next week and for the community as a whole, today we had the topic of frugality being cheap and the contrast to the abundance mindset in the academy chat. And on, well, tomorrow, the VVV team is going to meet one of the first members of the board of the VVV blockchain fund. And uh, that's going to be happening in a, in a private uh, Google Meet. And the thing which, which is super important and which comes back to the abundance mindset is that we are currently in a position where everyone I approach and everyone you know I deem qualified enough to potentially be a part of the blockchain fund, they all say yes. So we have uh, way more candidates than we actually have spots for the uh, board of director seats, which also means in the call tomorrow, we still have the flexibility to remove or to not accept members if there's you know potentially red flags being discovered by the due diligence of our team members or if there's um if the chemistry between the team and, and the board is not right or if the um, team has any other concerns and that's really only possible if you always put yourself in a position of abundance if the, if the candidate which we talked to, uh, with whom we talk to tomorrow, if that would be the only candidate which we had, then we would have to make him fit the structure of the of the blockchain fund. We would have we would have to make him fit the culture which we have. And no matter how qualified he is, or you know how bad the dynamic potentially could be with the team, we would have to roll with, with him, right? And that's the worst position you can put yourself in, where you have a very lim limited amount of options, and then you don't have the privilege to go with the best option, but you just have to, to go with what you have. And that comes back to the uh, being frugal or to being cheap. That really holds true for all aspects of life, where if you are afraid of spending money, then you're going to have a very, very difficult time of attracting new money. And you know, the same holds true with the board of directors, for example. In all those interviews with all those candidates, they can feel that I don't need them. They know for sure that I already have 10 other people who said yes. So the dynamic in that conversation is very, very different than if that would be the only guy who would be willing to talk to me and I have to sell him. Then the dynamic is going to be extremely unattractive uh, to the other side because they can see I need them. And that's going to make the opportunity much less valuable for them. It's way more attractive to talk to someone who doesn't need you and you can see they will succeed anyways, then you want to be a part of them. But if someone talks to you and they, they need you to actually succeed, then you know you might be put off by that and the, the pressure might be too high and um, you know you might not be open to make that sort of a commitment or you might not even want to work with someone who cannot be successful without you. So you know, a lot of the aspects of the academy, they have real world applications and they don't, they don't just have the real world applications for the blockchain fund, for example. The same is true for our deal flow. 
if we wouldn't have access to hundreds, even thousands of deals, then we might we might be more motivated to do lower quality deals because otherwise we would have super, super long dry periods with no deals at all. So here again, the abundance of having hundreds of deals to choose from and being able to reject deals left, right and center and to always be able to say no because we already have dozens of other deals lined up, that's super beneficial. That's extremely healthy and that makes it, that makes it so much more attractive for the individual investors and it also makes it much more pleasurable for the team to work with because they know for sure that they can just go through all the data, they can always say no to bad deals, they can pick and choose the best ones and they have a really uh, super enjoyable job because they can pick the best ones for the brand as a whole, they know they can get an investment in it personally, they know they do the best by the community and overall it's an extremely enjoyable dynamic to, to work with. And you know another thing, uh, just to give you some background on the, on the logistics here, for the Mavia deal, I prepaid the $50,000 for the total allocation which we secured. So it's not like we ourselves have a frugal mind where, oh my God, we need to collect the money from the community first, otherwise, who knows, maybe we can't fill it up, maybe there's some bad news about Mavia and that no one wants to do the deal. You know, we take risks ourselves and we we really are very, very abundant in the way we approach things. And we wanted to do the deal as professionally as possible with Tristan. And the way to do this is to get the get the staff agreement, sign the staff agreement on the same day and send the funds on the same day. And that makes it a super pleasurable experience for Mavia and for Tristan to work with us. He now has an extremely good impression. Obviously, he knows uh, Jen already. But seeing us executing on the soft agreement in a few hours, that's also going to leave a positive impression because I know for sure that he had different experiences with other VCs and he still, well, I probably can't, can't disclose those aspects, but... Um, you, know, you always want to put your best foot forward as a VC. And the same with Obscuro, for example. Um, I told them that I will give them uh, the final amount or yesterday. And I told them on the day I give you the final amount, I can sign and I can send over the funds. And that's something which they usually don't experience. Normally it takes VCs a lot longer to put together the, the funding than, you know, it's not as straightforward to get them to sign. It's not as straightforward to get them to do DKYC, and you know usually it's it's quite painful to to collect the funding for your project. And in all instances, dealing with us has always been um, enjoyable for the other party, and we always have been extremely professional in the way we do things. And at the very core of this is the essence of not being frugal, not being afraid to take risks, not being afraid to, you know, be out of pocket of 50K uh, for the sake of uh, being professional and also for the sake of not diverting the attention of the community, for example, you know, while we, while we currently raise for Obscuro, for example, we cannot already announce the next deal and, and, um, and start raising while the other uh, round is still open. So, you know, a lot of this is also for the benefit of the community to be sure that 
you guys can focus on one deal at a time. You can do your due diligence. You can make your decisions based on what you see and what you have. You don't get distracted by other things. And then once the next deal is there, you have uh, sufficient time between the announcement and between the, the raise of the funds. And everything is, is really done in the um, most tre- streamlined way possible. And with that being said, Andy, thank you very much for joining in once again. You can see I, I get used to you uh, chiming in and out to the Spaces events. And uh, I'm very much looking forward to the next announcement. Yeah, thank you, Jean. Good to see you back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's really a great alpha hour today. So many good news for the community. It's really awesome. So after weeks of preparation, yeah, I'm excited to announce the official launch of our VDV Research Institute. So what is this? So the Institute is our new e-learning platform. Yeah, so we we'd like to teach our members how to research web-free projects. And the the first training program um, will extend over a period of uh, about ten weeks. So it will be a quite extensive uh, class that we prepared for our community. And we will unlock um, one lesson per week uh, that you have also enough time to go through the content and also do all the homework and exercises that we uh, assess in the different lessons. At the end of this uh, 10 weeks, uh, we will also offer a final exam. And so you have the the possibility to get official VVV research certificates yeah, if you pass the exam. And uh, we have also additional classes already in mind after this first um, period. So what can you expect from the Research Institute? So it's an interactive e-learning platform and we want to um, show you how to do project vetting based on real project examples. So it, it will be examples out of uh, real proposals that we worked on in the past. And there will be good ones and bad ones. And uh, you see then also the difference and what to look for, how to identify red flags and potential risks in a project. and. Now, the, the question is, why do we share this knowledge? Because this is quite precious, yeah, and I'm sure that many uh, other VCs are really looking out here yeah, for a good project vetting team. And yeah, as, as Sean already mentioned, yeah, so our team is doing an amazing job yeah, in, in the project vetting, but uh, we also want our members challenging our work here and and ask also difficult questions yeah and go into the details so i really enjoy all the contribution in the in the different project channels because it opens up different perspectives yeah maybe something that our team hasn't thought about yeah before so 
this is really very helpful and yeah i think that's also the only way yeah, to to grow your personal expertise in a, in a special field yeah so together we can learn from each other and that's the main approach behind our uh, research institute and um, yeah we will teach our members yeah, to, to make their own investment decisions. So that's also a very important point. Um, we don't want to be the leader yeah, for, for you and you follow us blindly into every deal. We really want uh, yeah empower you to do your own due diligence on those uh, projects and decide for yourself is, if, if this project is a fit or not. Yeah? And uh, also challenge our decision and our perspective on each single opportunity that we offer in VVV. So how uh, will we launch tomorrow? We will post an announcement uh, on Discord with the link to the learning platform. And there will be also a coupon code um, that will grant you a 100% refund at the checkout. So that means also external users can access this training, but they have to pay uh, $299 US dollars. And for our community, for holders of VVV, um, this is free of charge. So you need to... Uh, follow the link, uh, register your own account, and then you can enter at the checkout this uh, secret uh, code. Please don't share it yeah, outside of, of VVV. And uh, then you will get a 100% uh, discount. And you can use all trainings lessons uh, for free. In addition to the online training, we also offer uh, yeah, learning material as a download afterwards. So you get some presentations and, and different tools yeah, during the, the trainings. And you can use this not only for uh, our own VVV projects, you can use it uh, on, on any different uh, investment opportunity. Yeah? So I think that's a very helpful tool set, a toolkit that we can provide uh, to you to, to yeah, grow your expertise also as an investor. So <clears throat> if you are interested in the research work, yeah, I highly recommend that you will wait for this uh, announcement tomorrow and register your account. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hear your feedback and, and comments about the first lesson. And yeah, thank you. And see you hopefully soon in the Institute. So back to Sean. Thank you very much, Andy. And guys, we have 111 live listeners, but you only have 51 retweets. If you haven't already, please be sure to leave a retweet. Be sure to leave a like. You're, you always have to keep in mind, no one else does this. There's literally no other VC who operates without any fees, and there's no other VC who even wants you capable of doing your own due diligence. There's so much going on out there which you are not aware of where investors will end up being blindsided 
and they will end up being out of pocket and a, a plethora of VCs are going to go out of business because their investment thesis is, is extremely flawed because the incentives they have set for themselves are extremely flawed. And a lot of this is going to be ending in tears. And we, you know, I've said this countless times before, but we deliberately set ourselves up in a way where the incentives for the team are crystal clear and where the incentives are set in a way where it's literally impossible for the structure to become corrupted because everything has been set up in a way which can only be executed to the benefit of the community. And now we are in a position where the community knows so much, and especially after the um, f first course of the research institute, now the community knows so much, even if, uh, you know, even if the team would be replaced with uh, a different team with bad intentions, now you know so much, it's impossible for you to inv invest in a bad deal because it takes you five minutes to uncover 10 red flags and then it's an obvious no for you guys. And that's, you know, for a, v for a VC which is operating on fees, that's the worst kind of investor which you could have, the one who actually knows when to say no and who knows how to expose weaknesses of a project because if you base your entire model on the generation of fees from doing deals then again you must do many deals or you must do big tickets and in order to do so very likely you're going to lower your standards in order for you to do more deals with less effort but now if you have a community who is diligent and who got taught how to look at things and how to evaluate things and how to be critical and how to raise concerns, you know, now you lose all your customers because you cannot sell them on the bad deals anymore. So what you will see is that VVB is really putting a revolution in, in motion where the VCs who operate under the, the premise of being the good ones and, and only doing the best deals and so on, when the community is now capable of actually seeing through that and being able to raise concerns. And we have seen this plenty of times in the past. There's, you know, there's hundreds of VCs out there who do the, the same thing with the fees and with the you know, community-based investments. There's literally an, an infinite amount of, of those um, ventures out there. And they all are based on the, the exact same thing. They all have a community, which is not really a community, but it's just a customer base which gets positioned as a community because it makes it easier for them to sell them on bad deals. And then you have uh, a high, uh, you have a very low tolerance for anyone raising concerns because any concern raised by the community is taking away from your fees, right? So you naturally have a tendency to silence people and to cancel people and to not let people speak, to not let the respective data surface, which might be negative for the project itself. And anything, you know, you have to realize anything that is negative for a certain project, that's actually good for the investor because it keeps him from investing. But now you have the, 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 the guys in power who need the money to generate the fees and to, to fill the tickets. So now you, you actually have two opposing forces and 
um, you know, that's not going to play out well in the long run. It's just impossible to be sustainable because the community is eventually going to run out of money and the community is eventually going to see that what, what they invested in is not going to yield the expected returns. And then the, the things are going to become bloody and they're going to become very uncomfortable uh, for a lot of people. And for us, there's also, you know, a degree of selfishness in educating you guys, because now let's assume we would be in a position where we arrange those research reports and they are pretty much just um, hidden sales documents and we sell you on, on a specific deal. Then if the thing goes wrong, then obviously you're going to come to us and you know, you're going to complain, hey, why did you sell me on the deal, right? Which then is a very uncomfortable conversation to have because now you know you you, you maybe let people into a, a bad investment. But if you guys are capable of doing your own due diligence, and if we are one hundred percent objective in all our reports, and you guys decide for yourself that okay, this looks good, the data looks good, I did my research, it looks good to me, I listened to the MA, the founder seems to be capable, and then I make the investment, and then something goes wrong then you know for sure that a lot of the responsibility is on your end because you looked at everything and you knew how to charge it. And now, you know, there's very little blame which you can actually shift to us because we told you, for one, do your own due diligence. And we also told you, or we showed you how to actually do it. Which also means if you do 100 deals with us compared to doing 100 deals with someone else, the likelihood of us having a hundred, you know, on average, hundred good investments versus someone else having subpar investments or potentially uh, the majority of, of bad investments. That's also um, should be very clear because it's, it's almost impossible. It's of course, you know, on an individual basis, there's always going to be exceptions. There's always the possibility for things to go wrong due to external factors, which no one can influence. But if you if you look at a hundred investments and if you have a a team of integrity in place and they know what they're doing, they know how to do research and they, they know how to look at things objectively and they have the abundance of hundreds and hundreds of different projects to choose from, then they will already present you with a super high quality selection of deals. Then you have the community who already has been extremely extremely passionate and extremely diligent and now you also empower them by giving them more tools and more resources to do it even better you know after us doing 100 deals i think the chances of them being super good is very high and by someone else doing 100 deals and they have the incentive to sell you bad deals and they don't provide you the tools on how to do diligence and if you have someone raises concerns they silence you i mean there's no way in hell that they will keep up with the quality which we have it's just impossible and that's really the, the beauty and it's the thing which makes it so exciting to me and which is also the reason why all those high caliber people want to be part of the board because i explain it to them just like that and it's very obvious that these incentives have never been set this way and that you never had the combination of Incredible deal flow, incredible access to alpha, so to speak. We, we have a, a, a self-coded bot running, which is extracting data from all over the internet. 
where we get access to projects super, super early. And we have the research team in place who goes through all of them and who filters out the good and the bad and then doubles down on the good ones. And then we have the leverage of the community and of the very high engagement of the community where we can now, you know, if you look back at the AMA with fuel, I don't know how many clicks it has right now, but um, so it shows 6.8K people tuned in to the AMA with fuel. So now we have that leverage where we don't just are an investor, but we also provide a platform with, each, <clears throat> with exposure for those projects, meaning they want to be guests on our Twitter spaces because they know they have a big audience which then listens to the recording and you know um, becomes aware that the project exists, which then obviously grows their own community and grows their own exposure. And in addition to that, we have the super passionate and professional community, which also does not exist anywhere else because if you look at any other Discord server, you see a bunch of GIFs, you see a bunch of weird behavior, and you see conversations without any substance. If you go in our, in our server, you will see conversations about relevant topics, conversations about psychology, conversations around the current market, conversations about books, you know, only things which really like elevate um, each other, uh, things which elevate the, the members amongst each other. And all those, all those little things combined really make us something which is much more than a VC we have, you know, the, the money is just a commodity. All those top tier projects, they have access to infinite money. So that's the worst value proposition with which you could lead into any of those conversations. The, the best one is to offer them uh, the, the spotlight in our Twitter Spaces event and to tell them that you better pick your best guy to come to the AMA because the community is going to ask you tough questions. And then you will also see if you look at the AMA with Fuel, with Eigenlayer, with Obscuro and so on, if you look at all those AMAs, the, the hardest questions are the ones where they said, that's a good question. Because now they actually have someone who is on their level who asks them the questions which they find exciting to answer. You know, in all those other AMAs which they usually have, they get played softball after softball and it's, it's questions which don't really get them excited because it's, it's just touching the surface of what they're building and it's only the, the tough questions which really make them think and make them also realize that hey the community here actually has done the research and they actually want to know more about the project and not just when the TG is going to happen and all of the feedback after each single AMA has been absolutely fantastic all of the time we hear this is the, the single greatest event which we ever had with any community. We never had that sort of an engagement. We never had these uh, smart questions. And you can also tell after every AMA, I, I look super smart because the guests thinks I made up all of those questions. But of course, I, I, I'm very open about this, that you know, I have not made up any, any of those questions. They're all asked by the community and by the team. And that's really where the expertise lies. But all of those factors come together and differentiate us within the space. And it will also ensure that we're going to be sustainable and that we are going to be here in the long run. And you guys can only imagine when, once the first um, 
I don't even know how many investments we've done so far, but, but the first six or seven investments, once they start generating returns, or you know, once some of them start generating returns for the community, you can only imagine what's going to happen to the project as a whole. When you then also have the blockchain fund, in addition to that, you have, you know, and we're going to slowly publish the uh, board of directors or the members of the board of directors over the course of the next couple of weeks. But once you see all of that unfold, and then once the community gets a ton of liquidity back from the initial investments, I mean, I would be, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, in the next 12 months, maybe VVV becomes totally unaffordable because everyone just wants to keep doubling down on the new investments with the money they made from the old investments. I mean, you know, once this takes off, there's, there's just no way in hell that, um, you know, the, the, the collection as a whole is going to stay affordable, at least in my opinion, and at least from, you know, from, from the potential which I see in the investments which we've made so far and the things which we have coming. There's a lot of things where other VCs would already also go out of their way and announce all of those uh, achievements. But we, you know, we always want to be on, on the safe side. We, we always only talk about things once we know for sure that they will be signed or, they, or that they have been signed already. So there, there's a lot more. Um, I don't want to say the word trust. There's a lot more to come um, this week has been incredibly exciting. Uh, this alpha hour has also been super, super valuable. We had a lot of good news. The Mavia announcement by Chen, the Research Institute announcement by Andreas. And again, you know, all of the credit has to go to the team. Um, the research team has done a tremendous job. They really, really have involved over the past two or three weeks. They they have doubled down on their skills. They, they have found a super healthy and super efficient dynamic amongst each other. And Andy is doing a tremendous job in leading the team and even more so in also building out sections of the team or of the research institute to become accessible to the community. And I think that's going to make a, another big difference to the VVV brand as a whole, because now, you know, you guys are going to end up with a certificate that you have gone through the academy, excuse me, that you have gone through the institute, and there will be more courses, and you know all of the things which work right now. These are going to be the pillars of the future blockchain fund, and you know I already know this obviously because I work on this daily, but you know how how everything how every single piece of the puzzle is going to play out together with all, with all the other pieces, you know, once that unfolds, it, you know, I don't want to pat myself on the back, but, you know, this, it, it's really a master plan. And you guys are going to be excited once you, once you see how all of this unfolds. And, you know, some of this also was, um, you know, maybe destiny, you know, that I found uh, Andreas and, and Jen and that they came up with their own ideas and all of this place really in the vision of the blockchain fund and all of their contributions have made the, the pitch to the members of the blockchain fund way more easy uh, than I ever thought it would be. And I mean, yeah, it's just going to be amazing. We're going to announce the, the members shortly. We're going to announce a, a few of our web two partners and um, yeah, 
VVB is, is, is truly unique. The team is unique and the community has made it something truly exciting and special and powerful. And I'm, I, I really can't wait uh, what the future holds for us. So with all of those good news and with that being said, guys, thank you very much for listening in. It has been a pleasure to talk to you as always. If you haven't completed the shark test yet, I highly encourage you to do so. As you guys might have noticed, there was a tease of an upcoming shark trade. And the test is going to have very, very tangible value once the shark trade becomes announced. And I, I highly, highly encourage you guys to, to take the test, to answer all the questions as honestly as possible. And to, you know, think very deeply before answering some of them and make sure that you do your best and who knows right now we have one top score uh by one of our members who depending on some of the other participants might end up with the shark one of one uh which i'm sure is going to be worth a, a ton on the secondary market and um the interest <clears throat> the interesting thing is that the the top scores so far came from one of our mentors from two of our top students, from one of our top dolphin holders, um, and the others are also from uh, holders. So all of the top scores, and it has only been very few, like maybe 4% have actually, have actually scored in the realms of the numbers which I have expected. So um, my hats off to those guys. They, they really have shown um, the, the right traits um to call themselves sharks and coincidentally enough uh, you know many of them are already sharks but uh that's a different story so be sure to make to to go through the test it's something which is you know really exciting and we will also open up the section about psychology in the academy after the test is concluded and then you will also be able to make sense of those questions i will also disclose where about 80% of the questions came from, um, you know, it, it's not like all of the, the questions have just been made up randomly. There's um, some scientific base um, and reasoning why those questions are being asked. And you will, if you know why they are being asked and if you know how to assess someone's personality, um, that's going to be benefiting you greatly in your future, if you want to navigate through the crypto space, if you want to navigate through the business world, if you know why those questions are being asked and if you know how to spot certain traits in people, you will never ever be in a position where you, be, where you will get scammed or where you will get stepped in the back. Um, it, it's really something which is extremely important to know um, if you want to navigate through the crypto world or if you, if you want to navigate through the real world, and if you want to deal um, with other people. So once again, thank you guys for listening in. It has been a pleasure as always. And thank you, Andreas. Thank you, Jen. And talk to you latest next week. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. This recording has been prepared and made available by VVV. It is for informational purposes only and should not be considered a solicitation to sell, buy or subscribe to any financial instruments or products. 
VVV does not express any opinion as to the present or future price of any instrument mentioned in this recording. The information provided in this recording is believed to be valid and accurate on the date it is first published, but VVV, along with its directors, officers and employees, does not accept any liability for any loss arising from the use of this information as it may change in the future without notice. Any decision made by a party after listening to this recording shall be on the basis of its own research and not based on the information and opinions provided by VVV.